Namaste. We are here with Gautam once again. Uh, thank you, Gautam, for giving us your time. Gautam, today I would like to discuss with you uh, various aspects of a very important and simple topic that when you go to Baba's shrine in Shirdi or you go to any spiritual place for that matter, you know how uh, is the right way for a devotee to be receptive amidst all the apparent chaos that is going on, you know, there are many events, there's a lot of noise in different ways over there. Maybe it's getting busier, but you know, to keep your focus on how to keep your focus on what is important. Maybe events that happen may not be pleasant, but not to be perturbed by that. If you could shed some light on this. Sure. Uh, firstly, Nick, it is the intent with which one is going, that is of primary importance. You know, it, if someone says, Chalo, Shirdi, Chale, we are going, and the attitude is, let's go on a picnic, then that is the intent of a picnic. But if one is going with a specific intent, that must be in the heart throughout the journey, because that is the focus. Now, when that is in the heart throughout the journey, everything else becomes secondary. For example, as we all know, it is very crowded and chaotic there. That is the way it is. You may complain all you want when you are there, but that complaint is only going to take you away from the intent. If you accept that this is the situation, what can I do about it? You are still with your intent. So, one aspect is, unfortunately, yes, it is chaotic, it is not that well organized, but these things tend to take our thinking mind in all directions. And all the why questions come up, why should it be like this, why should it not be like that, and then that takes us away from our intent. It's very easy to drift away. It's very easy, if we are going in a group, to start gossiping, talking about irrelevant stuff, talking about which holidays we went to, which movies we saw. All this takes one away from the intent. See, the intent normally is a strong one because it has pulled you there. In that sense, it's not even your intent because Baba himself has said this, that until I call you, you can't come. Now, how is one to honor that? Is one to honor that by going as a social occasion? Is one going to honor that by criticizing and complaining? Or is one going to honor that by being completely present with the intent of going? There are various ways one can have the intent. One is a knowing in the heart. One is if one's path is uh, mantra japa. What is mantra japa? Mantra means freeing the mind. So that the thinking mind is not going all over the place, you chant a matra, mantra. Even if it is Om Sai Ram. You are focused. That is the intent. That focus is very crucial. You see? So, this is how any journey, any spiritual journey needs to be made. Now, I will give you an example. In Europe, there are pilgrim centers, like Lourdes is one, which I have been to, which is very beautifully planned and organized. So, one does not have to deal with the chaos of the environment. So, that mind does not go in that direction of, oh, what a mess, oh, what chaos, how am I going to deal with this? Fortunately, there they don't have it. But here we have it. We are a third world country, we are a developing country, 
we are mostly poor, it is going to be chaotic. We cannot expect a miracle overnight that too. So, not to be distracted, to be single-minded is the approach to have as one approaches Shirdi. Just imagine if Sai Baba was still there, alive, right? What would be your approach? You would be so keen and excited and eager to go and meet the Master and sit at His feet. It's the same thing. There is no difference. Because here is a Master who has said that I am not the body. So why not go thinking that He is actually there, He is actually alive, sitting there, and you are going to see Him, which is what is happening in the first place. That should be the approach. But you know, we human beings tend to get distracted, tend to think, oh, samadhi hi hai. sometimes you don't have that belief, sometimes we don't have that thing in our hearts. The sacredness behind the trip, that gets covered. You know, you made a very important point that the devotee must go there knowing Baba is there now. It's not that he has left his body, so he's not there. And this also takes me to something linked to this slightly, that I see many people criticize how things are structured there. Now, in the sanstha and outside, it may not go how they like it. But I always reflect on one thing, that see, the whole setup was done by devotees of Baba years ago. Over time, now it is run by the government. But devotees who have this feeling in their heart that Baba is there and they go, like in the earlier interview I had said, if you go there to serve Baba in whatever way, so in any way whatever a devotee wishes to do, then that whole approach will change and a change also will come if many devotees start coming there not with the thing to criticize, but rather to have a shift in their attitude that what can they do for Baba. Yes, and that will happen. You see, as uh, if you use the example of Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, he had even proved that if a certain number of people meditate in a locality, the crime rate comes down of the entire locality. Through the process of osmosis, through the process of just having that common intent, changes brought about. That will happen, I feel, in the course of time. But right now, we are concerned with our individual journey to Baba's Shrine. Yes. And these are the pointers not to get led astray by all these things. And in often cases, as you said, it's a lot was with the intent. So maybe if a family goes or a group of friends go, it would be best to communicate, say, if one is more keen than the others, that I am on a spiritual journey here, I would like my silence. Then not Because if you go into Baba's Samadhi, if you go into Dwarkamai, these are very potent places to be receptive. But then if there is this expectation on the outside to come and socialize, mm. then it is a tricky one. So, communication here also… Yes, in fact, if you ask me, most potent is if a group goes together in silence. You see, because then we are not wearing masks. Usually we are talking because we are wearing social masks. I want to say things which you like, which you agree with. All that dynamic starts going on in a group. That is why, frankly, best is to either go alone or with a friend who is like-minded. And if a group is like-minded, nothing like it.
that would be ideal you see now for example my understanding which may not be everyone's is that sai baba was a nath yogi he has in fact i'm surprised in one place he has said he was kabir in another place he said he kabir was his guru i don't know which one is true i have read both but that for me is also a point of him being a nath yogi because kabir revered goraknath the dhuni is the sign of the naths wherever the naths were was the dhuni the dhuni was very sacred you know i was told by a nath yogi that and somehow my path led me to many nath sthans yes. where there were living yogis or yogis who had passed away mm. where the dhuni is always burning so one nath yogi told me that whenever you go please present yourself before the fire before the dhuni because the dhuni records everything right now the dhuni in dwarka mai what is one approaching it with avi singh are are ye to sai baba ke time se dhuni chal raha hai dekhna hi chahiye is that it what does fire represent fire represents the force of life the sun the kundalini fire is a very important element fire is the part and parcel of the practice of the nath yogis for example so when we are going presenting ourselves before the dhuni what is in our minds at that time what are we offering into the fire the offering of a coconut into the fire in a havan is the offering of the shell of the ego what all are we offering into the fire what are we telling the fire to do to us to cleanse us all this depends on your awareness when you are present before the dhuni but if you go it as a sightseeing trip that this is baba's dhuni it's not going to go very far you yes. see so coming back to the intent coming back to the level of awareness presence being these are very critical when one is in such a sacred place let's talk about the stone on which baba sat yes. i'll tell you something i was sitting on marine drive with a friend he is a mantras expert in maharashtran and he goes around spreading the science of mantras all over maharashtra his name is shankar he once told me he said gautam if i am chanting a particular mantra and i'm sitting with you on the ledge of marine drive here yes. i sit with you talk to you for half an hour and i get up and leave mm. if you are sensitive you will sense the vibration of the mantra there because mantra is a vibration someone who is chanting a mantra all the time will leave that imprint now that is a ledge coming back to the stone on which baba sat can you imagine whether you can see it or not whether you can feel it or not can you imagine the vibration on that stone of a master like sai baba who has sat on it can one even fathom that now when we are walking past the stone and put our heads down what is in our minds at that time or are we open and receptive to the fact that on this stone sat this master and for me it should be as if he is still sitting there am i bowing down with that intent you see so everything has a significance otherwise 
these would not be there. The stone would not be in Dwarkamai. The fire would not be burning in Dwarkamai. The chavdi would not be there. You see? So the question is, our eyes of duality don't see what is there. But that does not mean it is not there. We have to be open. We have to be receptive. And we must not make the mistake of taking it to be a tourist destination. Absolutely. And Gautam, in the yesteryears, people would only travel for pilgrimages. I'm talking of a few hundred years ago. No one, there was no concept of tourism Right. a few hundred years ago. And these were very difficult journeys. Say if one had to go to Kailash, one had to go to Kashi, one had to go to any place, anywhere in the world, which was a pilgrimage. It was not easy. Usually, they had to walk great distances. Sure. So, right till you reach there, like it was a process of purification and filtration. Yes. Now, it's very easy. I have a feeling, let's book a ticket and go. And, you know, there are lots of places around Shirdi now that are just like, it's like they're sprouting everywhere. But that one must remember this, that in the yesteryears, this was the sentiment one would go with. Often, people had no money. So, uh, difficulties would come up, you know, illnesses would come, but you would go against all odds in a way to right. reach your shrine. Yes, very beautiful point you yeah. have raised. So yeah. today yeah. when you go and you reach Dwarkamai after taking a flight and going there, don't take it for granted. And Baba's time when Baba was there, I was talking to Dr. Vinny, uh, Dr. Vinny Chitluri, who's a historian. She said, I go to Kaka Sahib Dikshit's Bada and I pray to him how did you have the resolve to stay here when there were snakes, scorpions, no electricity, difficulties? Now, Baba was a master. To him, he was beyond all of this. But the intimate devotees who left their lives in Bombay, who left their lives in cities and came there to be with Baba all the time, you know, one must not forget those circumstances. Very true. Yeah. You see, it also is... Temples, for example, you know, some tem temples are at heights. Sometimes there are steps to temples. There was a reason for everything. Now, for example, the steps in a temple, they played the role of opening the lower chakras as one walked up. There's a role, there's a science. So can you imagine a pilgrimage? Like many devotees from Bombay walk for seven days to Shirdi. There's a reason for that. That is going back to the olden days. The bhakti, the bhav. What tends to happen is we, because of our level of comfort, AC cars, AC buses, we don't go through that process. So it becomes a picnic. Exactly. And see, if a difficulty does come about also, one has to see it from that light that if an obstacle comes, why not see it with that sentiment that eons ago, this is how it used to be. Correct. And go with that sentiment that I will take this uh, uh, difficulty and go and surrender to Baba. Uh, not look at it that Baba is putting an obstacle. You know, maybe sometimes your resolve <laughs> is tested. Yes. Like, you know, maybe sometimes he, like I have had this experience when I've gone for shoots or I have gone to film. Some crazy things have happened at home or, you know, like 
where I wonder like, oh, should I leave or should I not? But then I, re- uh, I reflect on this, that maybe it's a test of my resolve, then I go. Yes. So sometimes situations may not be favorable or easy, but one must not take it with uh, the attitude that, oh, Baba is putting an obstacle for the wrong reason. Right. But you are going to a sacred place and maybe it is to purify your intent, but if that is seen from that light. Absolutely. And it could be the other way also. That maybe a particular moment in time is not the right time to go. So then one uses one's discretion that is it a test or am I actually not looking at something and maybe I need to go another time. Either way. Either way. But you yeah. know, to peg this on Baba, blame yeah, him. That is not right. That, that, that is, is why Baba yeah. are you making this so difficult for yes. me? You know, it reminds me about a, a joke that uh, St. Theresa was in the field and she was pushing this very heavy wheelbarrow and doing a lot of work and she was so fed up. She was perspiring and she was fed up. And she looked up and asked Jesus, What are you doing? Why are you making life so difficult? I mean, I am your bhakt, your devotee and you are making life so difficult for me. And Jesus replied, saying, don't worry, I only ask this of my friends. So she replied to Jesus, no wonder you don't have any. (laughs) You see, we run away. When there's stuff we don't like, we run away. You know, on those lines, people who pass these type of comments that, oh, why does Baba give us difficulties? I don't think they have an idea then of what sort of austerities, like say, uh, some of Baba's devotees had when they lived with Baba. Some didn't sleep the entire night for months. The kind of penance they have gone through over time and not only Baba and Baba's devotees on the spiritual path you know today it's very easy on YouTube in your five-star hotel you can watch a video which is fine but those masters and their relationships with their devotees the types of sadhana they've done and overcome all sorts of I mean they literally give up everything to be on the path yes uh, you know, then to go here like as if it's a holiday yeah. and there also complain yeah. is not yeah. right. Yeah, that's unfortunately the world we live in today. You know, yes. it has become like that. So maybe with that sentiment, if one can go as a mark of respect to the master, the devotee is the sacred place. Yes. And if it is communicated within the group before that the intent is to be in silence, that could help. Yes, and like I said, Imagine he is actually physically sitting there. Then would these complaints matter? They wouldn't matter. And Baba himself has said, my bones will speak for my tomb. Which means what? Means he is there. He is there, absolutely. So go with knowing that. That's very important. Not only that, samadhis of any sages, enlightened sages. You see, the enlightened sage's body was considered the temple of the living God. That is why they were buried. Because there is again that vibration there. That is the importance of the place. You are actually in a throbbing, sacred, vibrational field when you are at the Samadhi. And what it needs to do for you, that field knows best.